0: hi welcome to the your adrenal fix podcast where we help exhausted and burnt out adults learn the truth about adrenal fatigue so that they can get their health back quickly my name is dr. Joel Rosen and I've suffered with my own adrenal fatigue problem and now I've made it my mission to tell the truth about adrenal fatigue so that we can get to the root cause of your problem and really teach you how to put the puzzle pieces together so that you could tap into your hidden energy reserves and have all-day energy so this podcast is for anyone who's struggling for years or feeling overwhelmed and burnt out or you're just feeling stuck you're going to get cutting-edge information from all our different guests in different respected health fields to give you those important tidbits of information so that you can actually act on them and improve your health join us for our podcast i know you will enjoy it Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of your Adrenal Fix, where we teach exhausted and burnt out adults the truth about their health so that they can get their energy back quickly. And today, I'm really excited to be joining forces here with Beth Shirley, who is a registered pharmacist, a CCN, and she has developed an expertise as a pharmacist and certified clinical nutritionist during her 40 plus year career. Uh, Her specialties include stress-induced hormone imbalance, intestinal dysfunction, autoimmune and chronic inflammatory issues, detoxification. Something I'm really excited to talk to her about is nutrigenomics and the supernormal oxidative stress, which I was going to ask you what that is, Beth, uh, uh, after I introduce you. Um, You're a pioneer in the cutting edge of the evolution of what has now become the integrative pharmacy, or the junction between traditional pharmacy and the clinical use of nutritional supplements. Beth, I could probably go on and on, but I want to get into the heart of the matter, and that's nitric oxide. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So why don't you maybe, I always like to ask our guests, maybe a little bit about your health journey. Maybe you didn't have your own health challenges or maybe you did, but what inspired you Beth to go down the firstly being trained as a as pharmacist, but then getting into the clinical nutrition and then going into the world of, I guess, integrative medicine. What, what was your
1: evolution or your genesis for that? Well, I became a pharmacist because I thought I was going to help people. And after 20 years of seeing people come back sicker and sicker on more and more drugs, in 1997, I became a certified clinical nutritionist. And I became the pharmacist to go to if you wanted to get off meds or not go down that road to begin with. And along that same route, too, what, what, what steered me into that is when I was 37, I was really depressed and I went to the doctors and all they had was antidepressants. And I thought that for a couple of years. And then I thought, you know, then I went on them. And then after I hit 40, I was going, you know, there's something else going on here. And so that's when I read the book, What Your Doctor May Not Tell You About Menopause by Dr. John Lee. And it talked me about bioidentical progesterone. And I started using that and noticed within like nine months, I was off the antidepressants, and I had a progesterone deficiency, not a Paxil deficiency. So that all happened kind of at the same time, you know, about 1996. And so since then, I've been um, just taking care of physiological process, supporting physiological processes. Not doing anti-this and anti-that, because the body really wants us to be healthy. And since 2009, I've been in the nitric oxide space. And once you really start learning about the power of circulation and microcirculation, you, you will you will know that this is the base of everything. Because if, you, if you've got impaired circulation and microcirculation, it really doesn't matter what else you're doing. Nothing's going to get to where it needs to go.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I've talked that to, to my audience before in terms of if you're in a room that doesn't have very much oxygen, water, food, or, or I guess exposure to the cold, the one that you want the most is the oxygen. And if you're not using oxygen for energy production, you're using oxygen for oxidation. It's almost like you instead of getting an income you have an expense and it it can really create a demand and supply problem in your body just an aside though curious in your in your wanting to help people becoming a pharmacist I'm just kind of curious when was it along the way that you were realizing how deep in like how long into your practice that you realized that these this isn't helping people with with what you were doing
1: um well I was I was a pharmacist for for twenty years before I figured out that this just—I mean—and and, and it that that um, was all combined with my own health issues, where all all they had was pharmaceuticals to treat me, and that's not what was going on. So I wasn't being helped myself, and neither were all these people that were coming into the pharmacy; they weren't being helped.
0: Right. And so as far as you you alluded to the fact that typically the paradigm for pharmaceuticals is to to block uh, the mode of action, whereas potentially hormone support uh, or understanding the physiology and and looking at endogenous production of of nitric oxide for signaling and blood flow and oxygen delivery is, is more supportive. So Let's maybe springboard off of that, Beth, and talk about what we know about nitric oxide for the person that doesn't know what it is. What is it and why is it so important?
1: Well, nitric oxide is a basic gas along with oxygen and carbon dioxide for the body. It's nitrogen and oxygen. It's just two molecules, NO. So it governs circulation and microcirculation, which is really important because cells can't be more than two cells away from a functioning microcapillary. If they're more than two cells away from a functioning microcapillary, they, or, or that microcapillary is not um, open and delivering oxygen, glucose, and nutrients, that, that tissue and cell will die. So nitric oxide is important for, our immune response, which is so critical in today's environment. It's important for mitochondrial biogenesis. It's important for the mitochondrial health. And this is where your cholesterol gets metabolized into pregnenolone. It's important for your neurotransmitter balance. It's important for sexual function in both men and women. It's important for uh, to decrease inflammation and oxidative stress. Um, to, like it uh, increases telomerase, which is has everything to do with aging. It's just, it touches every single physiological process. It's important for your kidneys, for your ears, for hearing, for your hormone balance. Nitric oxide it, is essential in the brain to make your LHRH, luteinizing hormone, releasing hormone, which then goes on to um, produce your LH, which goes down to your testes for your testosterone, your ovaries, for your progesterone and your estrogen. So nitric oxide is involved with every single physiological function. It's needed for the GLUT4 receptor in order, order to translocate and bring glucose into the cell. So, wherever
0: wherever oxygen is needed for, for ATP production, it plays an important role, which is pretty much every physiological function in the body.
1: Well, actually, the hemoglobin has to have a nitric oxide hooked onto it in order to be able to deliver oxygen to the cells. You could even be supersaturated with oxygen. And if you don't, if you're nitric oxide deficient, you're not being able to deliver that oxygen to the cells. Right. So as far as why,
0: and I've had Nathan, as I mentioned, Nathan, Bryan on, on a podcast before, but explain to our listener, why this such important compound or is not, is not being taught or they haven't heard about, it or potentially their doctor hasn't really mentioned it. What, why is that?
1: I I'm thinking that actually because it touches so many physiological processes, it does so much that it's too overwhelming an idea to even understand because it does touch everything. And people don't understand. I mean, cardiovascular disease is still the number one killer in the United States. Nitric oxide deficiency, diabetes, number two nitric oxide deficiency you know i i you know i i don't know i don't know why people don't really want to understand what is at the base of all of these physiological processes
0: yeah well i I mean i I don't i mean i know that the the nobel prize for autophagy was recently awarded in 217 and, and we say that the time that it takes for the ivory towers to sort of hit the street can be something of a 17 year cycle. And I know that the Nobel prize for nitric oxide discovery, what that wasn't that long. 1998. 1998. Right. there's
1: like almost 200,000 studies
0: a lot. Yeah. The
1: information is there.
0: It's there. It's there. And it's interesting because you would think now, and it's a slippery slope in terms of the subject with a an pandemic and virals and, and lo- loads, that nitric oxide would be the first line of defense. So I guess the question would it be... so right, It is. Right, right, right. Whether we know it or not. Uh, well, right. I've
1: been talking about it for the last two and a half years. Right. When this whole thing started, there was the nitric oxide connection. And I've been... I've been posting about it on LinkedIn and, and on Facebook. Okay.
0: Right, so so I guess
1: the question would be why
0: would nitric oxide be depleted or, or low or why would we not have enough? And what makes it problematic for being able to, to make it in the first place?
1: Well, we make nitric oxide through two different pathways. One is the arginine, NOS, nitric oxide synthase enzyme. This enzyme is real sensitive. It's pH dependent. It's oxygen dependent. Hypoxia shuts it down. A lot of things shut it down. And I'll talk about that in just a second. And the other is the nitrate to nitrite to nitric oxide pathway, where we consume the nitrates. They get absorbed, circulate around. They get concentrated in the salivary glands. Salivary glands release the nitrate and we've got good anaerobic bacteria on our tongue that will reduce that nitrate to nitrite. Nitrite is the immediate precursor to nitric oxide. So this pathway only I mean, it's not so dependent on all of these other environmental factors like the NOS enzyme pathway. So what affects that is age. By the time we're 40, that NOS pathway is only functioning about 50%. By the time we're 60, it's only functioning about 15%. Diet, the standard American diet devoid of nitrate-rich veggies and essential cofactors and nutrients, lack of exercise, medications, antibiotics, antifungals, antidepressants, birth control pills, NSAIDs, PPIs. PPIs interfere with the production of nitric oxide through both pathways. EMFs, EMFs increase oxidative stress. Oxidative stress uncouples the NOS enzyme. And when NOS is uncoupled, it becomes a superoxide generator, not a nitric oxide generator. Pollution, glyphosate, genetic SNPs, and not just your NOS SNPs anything that might increase oxidative stress, like your SOD SNPs, catalase SNPs, anything that interferes with the production of BH4, your QDPR, your DHFR. If you have any MTHFR SNPs, you are by definition nitric oxide deficient because you're not making your BH4. BH4 is what couples that NOS enzyme. And the big one, stress. Stress interferes with the production of nitric oxide. So it, it, stress interferes like with INOS, your inducible NOS. That's why when we're stressed, we get sick easier. And it interferes with the ENOS, endothelial NOS. That's why when we're stressed, we have more cardiovascular issues, more hypertension, strokes, MIs. So there's a lot of things that go into the production of nitric oxide and that NOS enzyme. But the nitrate to nitrite to nitric oxide pathway can pick up the slack, as long as we've got a good oral microbiome. And the beautiful thing about nitrate supplementation is it helps rebuild microbiomes in the gut, in the oral cavity, on the skin, in the vagina, everywhere you've got an oral microbiome, nitrate supplementation actually helps rebuild that.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you had a lot there, and there's so many things my head's thinking of. That I want to ask you, but one of the things that sticks out, which someone probably has heard if they're aware of nitric oxide, is the nitric oxide uncoupling, and I think that's an important uh, springboard to talk about. So you mentioned BH2 or BH4 is the is the um, I guess the the nutrient or the compound that helps to make the nitric oxide. Endogenously, or from the de novo pathway, with a combination of of proteins to be able to to do that,
1: yeah,
0: right. And and having the um, genetic susceptibilities of potentially MTHFR or DHFR or QDP the, the other types of um, mm-hmm. a, a genetic SNPs. I guess the question for you would be why if someone, because I've heard this a lot anecdotally with clients is, well, I take MTH, I take methylfolate, and I, I still have cold hands and extremities, I have brain fog, I have lack of libido and desire and motivation. I guess the question is, why does it not necessarily translate? What is nitric oxide uncoupling a little bit more in detail? And then why does just not taking Uh, methylfolate at high doses, create more nitric oxide reductionistically.
1: Well, just addressing BH4 isn't going to address all those other factors that I talked about, like the diet, stress, pollution, EMF, glyphosate. So just addressing the BH4 isn't going to address all of those other things too. But the beautiful thing about nitrate supplementation, it actually increases your production of BH4, which helps recouple that NOS, decreasing the superoxide production. So the the three main ways we make superoxide in our body is NOS uncoupling, NADPH oxidase enzyme and uncoupled electron transport chain. But supporting the nitrate to nitrite to nitric oxide pathway addresses all of those issues. So nitrate helps increase the BH4, which helps recouple NOFs, decreasing superoxide production. Nitrite and nitric oxide downregulate your NADPH oxidase enzyme that gets upregulated by all so many things. And then Nitrite and nitric oxide help recouple that electron transport chain without interfering the, with the production of ATP. So you've got to address a lot of things. I know we talked a little bit about that NADPH oxidase enzyme. This enzyme gets upregulated with so many environmental factors, iron, um, mTOR, uh, sulfides, inflammatory cytokines, mold. I mean, you name it, it gets upregulated by it. But what happens when this NADPH oxidase enzyme gets upregulated, what it does is preferentially steal that NADPH from all these other necessary processes, like um, fatty acid synthesis, hormone synthesis, phase one detoxification you can't regenerate your oxidized glutathione. Plus you, you you don't, like it's the electron donor for the NOS enzyme. So you want, like, there's just so many environmental factors that upregulate NADPH oxidase. EMF, we're swimming in the sea of EMF. And that's how EMF does its damage. It stimulates that NADPH oxidase enzyme. So we've got
0: to right. regulate it. Right. Yeah. And I, I thank you for sharing that as a very uh, elaborate, but yet succinct way of explaining what happens with that NADPH oxidase upregulation. Another one, which I'm sure you, you know very well of is in terms of the HMOX and recycling heme so that you're able to reuse that iron, which ultimately it's like an all or none, right? It's it's like a domino effect where I use the analogy if you're only making interest payments, you're never cutting into the debt and uh-huh. you keep falling further and further behind. And if you're not having that NADPH to do its day job and recycle glutathione and BH4 and HMOX and everything else in between, you're increasing even further that NADPH steel and creating a, a perfect storm. So, right. w- why is
1: that an inflammation?
0: oxidative right exactly which then goes on with from what what i've learned through bob is goes on to stimulate mast cells which then ultimately stimulate your hpa axis which creates cytokines which create histamine which causes cort. so many domino effects for sure well guess uh, what
1: dom- what's, what down regulates mast cell degranulation Nitrite and nitric oxide right right yeah
0: Yes. And it gets depleted when it's upregulated, I guess, as well. Right. right? Yeah. So so as far as what is it about the well, what I mean, obviously, the foods that are rich in nitrates um, and and supplementation. Can you maybe get into how what we can do for that?
1: So the high nitrate foods, your arugula, spinach, butter, lettuce, celery, bok choy, beets. And all of them um, have the, all of them except for arugula have the potential to have to um, oxalate issues in your sensitive population. However, arugula is the highest nitrate veggie without the oxalate issue. Or the Berkeley Life Professional Um, Two capsules will give you about the same nitrate concentration as five ounces of spinach or seven ounces of beets. And this will give like three to 400 milligrams of nitrates are what the study shows that it takes to make the physiological changes, like the changes in blood pressure or the changes in exercise endurance and, and decrease in recovery time. And that's what you get with two capsules of the Berkeley. So I usually recommend two of those capsules of Berkeley and then high nitrate veggies at lunch and dinner to help sustain that level. And you can check your levels with a test strip. This test strip is a saliva test strip. It tests the nitrite concentration of your saliva. So it's testing your ability to take that nitrate and reduce it to nitrite. So it's really dependent on your oral microbiome. So usually you can do two capsules and then in within an hour, hour and a half, then test your saliva. And you should be able to start seeing that test strip turn. If you don't see it turn, that's telling me you've got something going on with your oral microbiome. So you start asking questions. Are you using mouthwash? Are you using fluoride toothpaste? Fluoride is antimicrobial. Are you using whitening toothpaste with the hydrogen peroxide? Are you on any antibiotics? Are you on any PPIs? Do do you maybe have an infection somewhere in in the oral cavity? But the beautiful thing about nitrate supplementation is you are going to be rebuilding that oral microbiome, which then helps rebuild your intestinal microbiome.
0: Right, uh, you know, as far as couple questions that came out of that, and I'm glad that you brought up the oxalates because they're yet another NADPH oxidase stimulator right. that will further decrease your nitric oxide. But as far as a lot of people will ask, well, what about the beets in the in the in the um, in the formula? Is there oxalates in there? Maybe you can assure them that uh, there's, there's
1: not. There's only there's only about ten milligrams of fermented beetroot in there you're not going to get oxalates out of 10 milligrams of fermented beetroot. Right. Right. I think that's an important point to to, to add. And then the other one is
0: as far as, which is great. Thank you for sharing in terms of if you're not holding that positive marker that's indicating with the test strips that you're you're producing nitric oxide that you have to look at the terrain, which is the mouth, which by itself, even that is very helpful for the gateway being breached into the immune system, which so many people miss, right?
1: Right. The immune system, the cardiovascular system, diabetes, this oral microbiome is connected with everything.
0: Right do do you ever just as an aside because you also mentioned how important pH is for being able to make that nitric oxide and is a measure of tissue oxygenation and I guess if we have a lot of oxidative stress and and free radical production our pH levels are going to be lower. We're not going to have as much tissue oxygenation. One right. of the things that I've advocated for is at-home pH testing as a pharmacist, because I got a lot of backlash on uh, when I posted that on social media from, from kidney nephrologist doctors saying, I don't know what I'm talking about, because that isn't you a know helpful what you're thing.
1: Talking about.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so well, like any, it, any
1: kind of chronic issue, any diabetes or any kind of chronic inflammatory issue, you're going to be more acidic. And this uncouples that nos in time, there's less oxygen being able to be carried to tissue. Right. You knew what you're talking about. So, okay, thank you. So, that
0: means a lot coming from you. So, as far as the other thing that Nathan talked about when we when we interviewed him was with the de novo pathway, where um, that does implicate more of our genetic susceptibilities or challenges to be able to, to make nitric oxide. A lot of pharma, uh, pharmaceutical, uh, a lot of supplement companies will tell the, the benefits of arginine and mentioning that arginine is never that weight-limiting step because we get enough in our diet. Maybe you can right. explain a little bit of that yeah. to
1: us. The yeah. Arginine, there is very, very rarely an arginine deficiency. You know, the co the binding coefficient for arginine to the NOS enzyme is really, really low. It doesn't take much to saturate that enzyme. And the cell doesn't even take in arginine to feed that NOS pathway. The cell will take up citrulline to make its own arginine to feed that pathway. But giving excess arginine to somebody with their NOS being uncoupled increases oxidative stress. And arginine has many pathways that can go down, not just your NOS pathway. It can increase your ADMA, asymmetric dimethyl arginine, which connected to all-cause mortality. It can increase ammonia. Which is connected with, you know, kidney function. So there's more pathways arginine can go down than just your NOS pathway. And there's rarely a deficiency of it. And especially if somebody's over 40 or if somebody's got any kind of chronic issue, I do not recommend arginine supplementation. Right,
0: because NOS is going to be uncoupled and then you're going to make it more superoxide. Use, yeah, yeah. It,
1: it can't, it can't use it. So it's going to go down other pathways and those pathways aren't necessarily healthy. Right. I mean, I, and I've had clients that have
0: done their, you know, their own research and, and try to do arginine supplementation for my more nitric oxide. And I think Bob Miller even talked about some of the bad press that arginine gets in the research is that you have, un, they never really... I guess, controlled for which subjects have uncoupled nitric oxide and is that arginine driving superoxide instead of nitric oxide production. One of the things we talked about before we got on, which I think is important for maybe a little more of the sophisticated listener, but also for myself to, to understand a little bit more, Because the next question in in some some people's teaching has been then that nitric oxide when it's uncoupled and you take arginine will produce superoxide and then that superoxide will turn into peroxynitrite. Maybe you can dispel that and why that's not a thing.
1: Yeah, the peroxynitrite non-issue, one of my favorite subjects. So nitric oxide, when it combines with superoxide, makes a molecule they call peroxynitrite. However, when you're making superoxide, you're not making as much nitric oxide because superoxide shuts down nitric oxide production. So by optimizing nitric oxide, you're actually down-regulating the production of superoxide. So you're decreasing peroxynitrite production. So remember those three main ways that our body makes superoxide, NOS uncoupling, NADPH oxidase, an uncoupled electron transport chain. And supporting the nitrate to nitrite to nitric oxide pathway down-regulates all of those ways we make superoxide. And if you're down-regulating superoxide production, you're down-regulating peroxynitrite production. However, peroxynitrite is O-N-O-O, oh no. Well, there, there's a new paradigm emerging in the nitric oxide research community showing that 90 to 95% of that peroxynitrite isomerizes to NO3, which is nitrate and inert. And then in some of my other talks, I talk about um, all of actually the beneficial actions of peroxynitrite. So I uh, So I want you, like when you read these studies about peroxynitride, I want you to understand they're really not measuring peroxynitride. They're measuring nitrotyrosine and they're assuming peroxynitrite was there. And that that assumption keeps getting repeated and repeated and repeated and and like it's, it's truth now. However, just because you see nitric oxide and its metabolites around tissue damage, cellular damage, doesn't mean that is what's causing the damage. Just like there's there's always cops around a crime scene. Doesn't mean the cops are there doing the damage. They're there to help clean it up. Nitric oxide can scavenge all these free radicals. They're there to help clean up that damage. Right, right. And so as far as back to the
0: canary in the coal mine in the sense that when you do the, the nitric oxide testing strips and you're seeing that you're not holding, or you're not making that nitric oxide uh, or the nitrate, the nitrite. And uh, as far as the, the health of the mouth, once you say you, you kind you disinfect it, you look at some of the, the things that may have been depleting the ability to, to make that nitric oxide, and you continue to support it with getting the the nitrates with the supplementation. Do you see that start holding longer, even if you don't do it an hour and a half after I'm I'm curious on that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Nitrate has a half life of six to eight hours. Oh, okay. Right. And so that's why I like doing a couple of capsules in the morning and then adding some high nitrate veggies at lunch and dinner to help sustain that level. But in people with a lot of oxidative stress, you may need more. If you're trying to do something like get somebody off of blood pressure meds or not go down that road, you might need two capsules twice a day in addition to some high nitrate veggies. For sexual function in both men and women, you might, I recommend two capsules in the morning and another two capsules an hour prior to activity. So, you know, use the strips and you can tell whether you need more. And then, you know, like um, during different um, environmental challenges, you might need more. Like if everybody around you is sick, you might need more.
0: Right. Well, I think it's it's actually, I mean, I love that you brought it up in terms of I wasn't aware of necessarily when you test and you're not holding uh, that it's more of the ecology of, of the oral biome. And I was extrapolating totally, that to yeah, yeah.
1: totally dependent on your oral microbiome
0: which is a good subset of the whole body of everything that upregulates your NADPH and EMFs and glutamates and sulfates and everything molds and iron dysregulation and histamine and stress and viral loads and IL-6. I mean, everything that, that does that. So as, as far as, um, the the topic that we were talking a little bit about, which is, is not necessarily understood, is the different kinds of uh, nitric oxide. So you have inducible and endothelial um, NO2 and NO3. Maybe talk a little bit about that, because what I had maybe learned was that NO2 might be upregulated and it might suppress NOS3 like what are they why do we need to know about them how how do they work what what is the deal with them yeah
1: well NOS1 neuronal NOS is is mainly concentrated in the CNS in the brain NOS2 inducible NOS this is your immune response and NOS3, your endothelial NOS, this is with um, the nitric oxide produced in the endothelial cells. And when INOS does get upregulated, when you're, when you're trying to fight something, it does downregulate your ENOS and your nos But another beautiful thing about nitrate supplementation, it actually downregulates an upregulated INOS. However, There's there's this same kind of uncoupling issue here too. So a lot of times when you see that they start talking about too much nitric oxide because INOS is upregulated, read carefully those studies because if there is a lot of oxidative stress and inflammation going on, that INOS is uncoupled too. So this damage tissue and cellular damage might not be due to that upregulated nitric oxide. It is more than likely due to upregulated uncoupled INOS, which is producing superoxide that can't be quenched.
0: Right. Yeah, it makes sense. So Question I have for you, knowing the the methodology or at least the biochemistry of the NADPH steel and, and things like iron oxidation and mTOR that upregulate that and steal away the NADPH, that doesn't allow the nitric oxide to be made and make more superoxide. As far as where do you find the antioxidant response elements come into play there because i think it's kind of confusing for people where you you know with denon Harmon and the whole free radical theory of aging and understanding that okay i know i need antioxidants but at the same time i do need a certain amount of oxidative stress to signal and and create some kind of uh, immune response I i guess the question is Where does the signaling of the antioxidant response elements come into play with nitric oxide? Do you find that there's a a Goldilocks zone of do it this way or do it that way? I guess your insight on that.
1: Well, in today's environmental um, challenges, um, the idea of too much antioxidants is pretty non-existent because everything is up-regulating that NADPH oxidase. I mean, everything. And so too many antioxidants just hasn't been the case for quite some time. But nitric oxide, like supporting that nitrate to nitrite to nitric oxide, actually, you know, it, it, it scavenges the, these free radicals. It can scavenge the free radicals from the Fenton reaction, your OH and your Fe3+. It, can, it down-regulates myeloperoxidase, which decreases your hydrogen peroxide production. Down-regulates xanthine oxidase, which decreases superoxide production. So supporting that nitrate to nitrite to nitric oxide pathway actually like, helps get all of these inflammatory processes under control, and not so out of control.
0: Right, that's a good answer. So as far as just to recap, being able to get rid of the things that would reduce the, the nitrate reducing capacity in the body, such as PPIs, and mouthwash, and, uh, and antibiotic use, being able to supplement with uh, something like Berkeley life, that's going to supply the, the nitrates to be able to pr- be produced in the first place, the diet that's rich with, uh, nitrates, although being aware of the oxalate consumption and a lot of them, the only one being uh, arugula that doesn't have that. But at the same time, when you take the Berkeley Life, you're not getting the oxalates out of the small percentage of beetroots. The question I have to you, which I, I find it being more and more a catch 22 when people are exhausted and burnt out, and all of this is going haywire, and they're not making energy, and electron transport chain is uncoupled, and you're producing way more superoxides. Is the ability to do movements and high intensity movements, even if it's for short periods of time. I'd be curious to know what what you think the role of that is and or uh, you know blood flow restriction type things? Are, are, you, are you seeing those be effective for nitric oxide production or even getting some kind of muscle contraction in even for the most challenged person that has has some issues with all of this? Is that something else that you're advocating?
1: Yes, because supporting that nitrate to nitrite to nitric oxide pathway, um, our our muscles, our myoglobin in our muscles can reduce that nitrite to nitric oxide on an as-needed basis. And that's what we need when we're exercising. We need more oxygen, glucose, nutrients being delivered. And just as importantly, we need the debris to be carried away. So supporting that pathway, you know, gives the raw material to the myoglobin that can reduce it further. The electron transport chain can reduce nitrite to nitric oxide when oxidative stress gets so far out of hand. It helps recouple it, but most studies show it can recouple it, couple it without interfering with the production of ATP. So by even just supporting that pathway you allow people to even do more movement than they were able to do before.
0: Right. Right. And I think it's important though to not resolve yourself of the responsibility of even if it's you know just moving your arms to be able to get that blood flow blood flow going. So um, yeah, no th- those are great insights. As far as um, the, the superoxide, because I think that's a, 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 a real um, charged conversation now because of EMF uh, and, the, and the stimulation of superoxides and how that ultimately will lead to NADPH oxidase over, over stimulation and then not being able to recycle your, your BH4 and then creating even more superoxide. Do you feel that with the minerals being so devoid in our, in our soils that we're ever going to be able to just supplement or take foods enough to rebuild the prerequisites for nitrates and nitric oxide production? Or do you feel that it's something that w- we ultimately have to uh, agree that we got to get
1: it elsewhere exogenously? Well, the DASH diet, the Dietary Approaches to Stop Hypertension has about 12 to 1500 milligrams of nitrate per day. So the DASH diet has been used as medicine for cardiovascular disease, very successfully. But it it is quite a challenging diet to follow. I mean, you really have to pay attention to the amount of vegetables you're actually eating. So um, as far as um, supplementing, I think there's, there's a, there's a big place for it. Right. I'd be
0: curious, when was that study done? Because I would be curious to know about how much more the stress and the NADPH oxidase confounding stimulation that would deplete that nitric oxide at a, like, I guess, commensurating the amount that you would need that you're getting out of the DASH diet for taking into consideration, how much more stressed our life is with social media and with what's going on in the world and what information we're given or not given. And I, I, I don't even know if it's even possible to, to, you know, to have a food that would be high enough, even if the DASH studies show that it was.
1: No, I, I agree, because we're just overloaded, totally overloaded with oxidative stress capacity, um, you know, capacity to increase. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. You know, one question actually, which wasn't on my question list, which is sort of off the cusp is, uh, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but Agmenti or Ag- Ag-menti. how do we pronounce it?
1: Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: Can you? Can you tell? I'm glad that I remembered it during this conversation. Could you tell me a little bit about what? Because it used to be, uh, um, a, I guess, an ergogenic aid used for um, exercisers and and bodybuilders. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what? There it's are there, no yeah. human
1: studies using it. There are no human studies. I mean, there, there's some animal, some rodent studies. But um, I'm just, I'm, I'm not a fan because it, it, it's supposed to be stimulating your NOS enzyme along with the the arginine and the citrulline. I mean, there's, um, you know, supplements that have the arginine, citrulline, and agmatine in it. But I'm just, I'm, I'm not a fan. You're gotcha. still trying to make a dysfunctional, uncoupled NOS work, and it's just not going to. Right, right. So I, I guess the
0: takeaway for genomic practitioners like myself, especially with peroxynitrite not being an issue, is that genomically speaking, when you lo- when you do see these major NOS1, 2, and 3 polymorphisms, the, the de novo pathway isn't necessarily, even though we're, we're addressing it from lifestyle management and stress management and decreasing the NADPH oxidase stimulation isn't really the area that a practitioner is going to have the most bang for their buck implementation wise. It's going right. to be more of the the being able to produce it through the uh, nitrate, nitric, nitrate pathway, correct? Correct. Yeah.
1: But then also know that that nitrate is going to help recouple that NOS.
0: Right. Right. So it would help that pathway after all, right? So
1: you're going to be decreasing oxidative stress. Right. I'm curious
0: to know as far as what you're seeing is when someone takes Viagra and they don't notice any improvement because you can't save something that's not there, meaning if your nitric oxide is uncoupled right. and you're taking something to keep the nitric oxide around longer but it's not there, is that still happening from a prescriptive point of view? Doctors are still doing it, scratching their head, wondering, oh, I don't know why that didn't work.
1: Yeah, those drugs, the Viagra, the CLS, don't work in about 50% of the men, precisely because you've got to have enough nitric oxide in order to get the erection to begin with. The, those drugs, the PDE5 inhibitors, allow the nitric oxide to hang around a lot longer But if you don't have enough nitric oxide to begin with, you're not going to get the erection. And, and, you know, they're not asking questions.
0: I I mean, listen, it's the reason you switch to nutritional background to realize you're making a difference. Because I I see what, what I see really harmful anecdotally with some of my toughest clients, and this is just an aside, is the ones that have been taking benzodiazepines for so long and every, all that oxidative stress that slows down that glutamate to GABA conversion it is not allowing any of that excitatory neurotransmitter to get there. And then you're trying to keep around something around longer that's not being produced. It's analogous to somewhat of the, the hope that Viagra is a magic wand and is going to fix all processes that inflammation and, and stress is causing in the first place. I, I think there's so many different types of meds that are ineffective that way, and they're just throwing it at the wall and hoping to see what sticks. I, I mean, is that sort yeah. of what you got out of that way of practicing?
1: Yeah. Well, nitric oxide is actually involved within anxiety and depression. Anxiety and, and depression are in, are modulated by BDNF. Nitric oxide modulates BDNF increasing neuronal um, neurogenesis synaptic plasticity nitric oxide actually can increase GABA in the brain so a lot of a lot of times when people start start doing the nitrate supplementation they actually start feeling calmer they're not so anxious they're not so depressed
0: Right. Yeah. And it, once again, you know, the biggest stress in the world is not having enough oxygen. Right. And if you're not um, having you enough need oxygen, nitric.
1: then yeah, yeah. You need the nitric oxide to hook hook on to that hemoglobin in order to release the oxygen to the cells and tissues.
0: Right. Well, that's what I mean. Like I'm saying, like if you're not respiring at the cellular level, which is dependent on that nitric oxide being able to be there to do that, right. then you're going to be more in a a I guess a, a glycolytic uh, stress excitatory neurotransmitters for short term's not a problem, but when you're keeping that button stuck in the on position forever, it just becomes you know so i guess impactful at the right. autonomic level where you're starting to see people not be able to regulate their their blood pressure and their and their heart rate and their temperature and now that's when you know that it's gotten so so bad so i guess the question would be if someone just like if you can't hold that nitric oxide level an hour and a half later. And we know that, that, that oral biome needs addressing same thing in terms of of a check. If you take uh, a Viagra or Cialis that helps to keep nitric oxide around longer and it doesn't work, then you have a, a a challenge there to know
1: that, okay, something's not being done that you need to address. Is that, is that correct? It's actually, you. it's actually, you know, like, um, uh, erectile dysfunction is endothelial dysfunction. And it's usually one of the first signs of an underlying cardiovascular complication. So you need to address it. There's a lot of things going on. It's not just because you can't get an erection. Okay. Your whole cardiovascular system is impaired.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess just one out of, thank you. I'm, I'm using
0: your brain here as things start coming in my head. So one of the other things that I see a lot too is these uh, coenzymes and NAD, NADH, NADP, NADPH, acetyl-CoA and CoA. Uh, as far as with NAD, it seems to be sort of the nutrient du jour. Um, are you, is there any correlation between nitric oxide and those Uh, and those um, coenzymes, especially in terms of NAD or NADPH, or not NADPH, but NADH?
1: Yeah, I've got a lot of people that are on the Berkeley and add some NADH or NADPH to that. And that, you know, because the nitrates help recouple the NOS, and then your NADPH is what Donates the electrons. I have a lot of people that are on that combination, stacking it.
0: You know, because what what I, the reason I asked that question is because I found if that NADPH oxidase is just super, like not only upregulated, but as you mentioned, super upregulated. Right, they're in a in a major crisis, and they take NAD. It a lot of the times will feed a lot more of that superoxide, and so I use now it as. You've got to be careful.
1: You've got to. You've be, got to be
0: careful, Yeah,
1: right. Especially on all these people that are doing the IV NADs, right? Right. They don't really look into. Okay, why did this person get so sick? Right. Oh, they're right. Going, well, you just better come back and get more. You need more. You no, you need to downregulate that NADPH oxidase.
0: Right. Right. But 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 so the fault question is there could be a challenge with just going super dosing on the NAD because that NADPH is upregulated, It takes that nutrient, spills out more free radicals. But is there a problem ever to take too much of the nitrates to produce the nitric oxide? Is there an upper limit on that as well?
1: Well, like I said, the DASH diet has 12 to 1500 milligrams, and that's like taking two capsules four to five times a day so you're not ODing it with the DASH diet. So I don't really have anybody that has taken more than two capsules three times a day. It's just not necessary when you when you start checking your levels, you know, you don't see it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I have a client that I'm thinking of specifically, who's really having a tough time. And I feel like I'd love to be able to push that titration up to as much as we can with the with the uh, nitric oxide boosting nutrients to see what kind of, what kind of results we can get with that but it's always you, you know somewhat of a trial right because you want to see how like the oral biome, you can't just expect the, the nitrate re- nutrient to get that nitric oxide produced if all those other expenses are draining the account in the first place. I, I would imagine it's the same thing with just doing that with someone who's super challenged with upregulation of these stressors that are depleting it and uncoupling it or making more superoxides in the first place as well, right? So...
1: Yeah, but the beautiful thing about nitrate supplementation is help you you rebuild that oral microbiome. Right. Which recouples and, and then you right. know, don't give up. If if it's not changing right away, don't give up. Just hang in there. It will change. I, I've had a couple of people tell me that that we would never get their their strip to change because it had never changed before with anything else and it was never gonna change. Well, it did. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I mean, and
0: also too, just from what I see is they're so close yet so far. It's like they' got um, a tumbler lock and there's seven out of the eight things and they're just missing that one thing. If you're doing a lot of really good foundational work, but you layer in that nitrate, now it's missing that eighth tumbler and now everything is synergistically getting better. But if you weren't doing that leg work beforehand, you can't expect just that nitrate to be the magic wand if you're not addressing stressors and diet. Yeah.
1: It's not, it's not the magic wand. However, it is the base. If you don't have good circulation and microcirculation, it doesn't really matter what else you're doing. It's not going to get to where it needs to go. So it's the base of everything else that you're going to be doing. You want to, anything else that you're taking or doing to be able to get to where it needs to go. Right. Right.
0: So, and then we talked a little bit before we got started in terms of if you listen, you know, know Morley at Robbins with the root cause and bioavailable copper and ceruloplasm and being able to move iron out of tissues, I guess what's, is this a chicken or the egg thing, or is this more of, the nitric oxide is dependent on the copper, the copper is dependent on the nitric oxide or the ceruloplasm. Where do you see that, that relationship tying into all of this?
1: Well, a nitric oxide deficiency increases the Fenton reaction. And when you replenish the nitric oxide, you're actually being able to scavenge your OH and your Fe3+. So sometimes when, when people have this iron dysregulation, it, it's not just the iron dysregulation. It's also the nitric oxide deficiency, too. Could, could you say, though, at the same time, it's a
0: two-way street where the Fenton reactions deplete the nitric oxide availability? Well, yeah, it is.
1: It's depleting it because the nitric oxide is scavenging that Fe3+. Right. So it takes it out of being bioavailable. Right,
0: okay, so I mean, if talked to Morley, which I've talked to before, he would say, well, that's because you don't have the bioavailable copper to move the iron that creates the Fenton reactions that deplete the nitric oxide.
1: Yeah, um, I can't really go into that right now.
0: That's fine. I, I appreciate it. So as far a uh, bottom line is is that you need to address the entire picture, right? Okay. And you need to rebuild the ability to make nitric oxide. And you need to get enough nutrients in your soils and your foods to be able to get your minerals up to drive up your pH so that you're getting oxygenation and your you, ha- you have good life uh, purposes and, and belonging and purpose and all of the above. I don't think there's a free lunch anywhere in, out of there in, in that regards.
1: No, it takes work. It takes work. Yeah.
0: So so as far as uh, the question that I always ask people at the end of the uh, podcast interview, Beth, is knowing what you know now, and you certainly know a, a, su- a super amount of information, and I'm probably sure along the way you, you always knew information, but what new discoveries or what you've learned over the years that you would have told the, the Beth that didn't understand this, that would have made a bigger difference or a better improvement in your health, I'm always curious to know what what my interviewee's answers are to that.
1: Well, the pharmacy I worked at, the the last one, I was there for 15 years. It was right next door to a dry cleaners. And my office shared a role with the dry cleaners. And that's when they were using all these perks. So everything that I had known in, in functional medicine allowed me to stay there way years longer than I should have. So by the time I left there in 2012, I was really, really, really sick. Those chemicals are solvents. They dissolve fats and they tore my brain up. So I couldn't even work for a few years. So I would tell myself to get the hell out of there. Like years before I did, because it just totally changed my life.
0: Wow, I'm glad you identified that and and were able to to overcome that. I, I think it's just a the epitome of what it is in our world that we have to be super vigilant of the water we drink, the, the food we eat, eat the, the air we breathe.
1: Breath. Yeah.
0: yeah, I mean, Amazing.
1: everything. I mean, I was doing IV vitamin C, IV glutathione, uh, IV ozone. Everything was actually making me sicker, and I'm the one. I'm one of those ones that got sicker on glutathione than without. But a right. lot of it actually has to do with that nitric oxide deficiency.
0: Right, right, and that NADPH not being available for recycling glutathione, making more superoxide. Yeah. Interesting. Well, listen, Beth, I I appreciate your time, you know, and I wish I would have listened to and I will listen to more of your recordings. And I know you're doing your job of spreading the news on on this important compound. Uh, If people haven't heard of you, uh, Beth, and where do they go to learn more about what you do and, and where they could listen to the information you've put out already?
1: On LinkedIn, I, I post a lot of the, the recent studies and, and I've been posting for the last two and a half years about the nitric oxide deficiency and this viral environment that we're in. On the Berkeley Life Professional page on YouTube, I have a lot of my webinars and I really go deep into the EMF. It's, it's You know, I I spent a lot of time and energy on that because that's information they don't really want us to have. They don't want that information out there. So that's a good one. But there's, there's quite a few pretty good ones on there. Excellent. All right. Well, good. Um,
0: I'll make sure that I'll post links in the thread to where they can get access to you. And we talked before we got started on how I could create a discount link so that we could pass the savings on to the listener to try this out. I certainly think that they should get as their tools. I always say tools in your toolkit, the nitric oxide testing kit to be able to see that. And then also the nitric oxide boosting nutrients. And then maybe we didn't really get into it, but maybe you could just give me a quick little rundown. I know there's also serum and, and, and lotions. What are, what are some of the other products that Berkeley Life puts out to help boost nitric oxide levels?
1: Well, the nitric oxide serum is um, it's a topical nitric oxide. So it's increasing circulation and microcirculation just right at the skin level. So it's good for, for uh, wrinkles, it's good for acne, for discoloration, for healing. Um, Dr. Dr. Brian actually um, made this specifically for his dad, who's a paraplegic, who had some sores that his allopathic doctors told him that they would never heal ever, you know? And by using this nitric oxide serum actually healed these sores. So it's pretty cool stuff. So it's actually one side of the serum is nitrite. The other side is vitamin C. And when you mix them together, you're actually making nitric oxide gas. Interesting.
0: Cool. Well, it's, you know, I would say as as bad as the environment depletes our NADPH and uncouples nitric oxide, we have all these really cool new developments as well to combat a lot of these challenges. So there's still hope out there. So anyways, Beth, I, I appreciate your time and I'll make sure I put the post to where they can learn more about you and get some of the products from Berkeley Life and I make sure that I start listening more to the research you put out and or or talk about. And I want to thank you for your time today and wish you nothing but further success in in the future.
1: Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Hey, thanks for tuning in to today's episode of your Adrenal Fix podcast where our goal is really to teach exhausted and burnt out adults the truth about adrenal fatigue so that they can get their energy back quickly. And if you happen to be suffering with your own exhaustion and fatigue based problems and you're not getting answers and you're frustrated and you're concerned and you really want to get back to the things that you're not able to do, then maybe it's time for you and I to book a discovery call. If that makes sense to you, or what we talked about makes sense to you, then this is an opportunity for you and I to troubleshoot and figure out what's going on in your body, what's not working, what have you tried, how's it impacting you. Most importantly, figure out where you wanna go with your health and why you're not able to bridge that gap. And if I feel I can help you and all the things that you need to be doing, I can recommend to you, I'll let you know, and if I don't know, I'll tell you that too. But my goal is for you to leave this call with a step-by-step game plan to learn how to bridge that gap and get your life back quickly. If I feel I can help you, I'll tell you what that will look like to work together. However, there's no obligation to do any further work and there's no charge for the call whatsoever. It's just really a one-on-one time for you and my team member or myself to get true, Value out of what's not working with your health and what are you missing in order for you to make that next step if that makes a lot of sense to you then go ahead and go to www.adrenalfatigueworkshop.com all one word adrenalfatigueworkshop.com forward slash apply now spacing is limited. And it's a first-come, first-served first basis, and you have to be willing to, to make that next step to get your health back or at least be serious about it. If we feel we can help each other, just go to www.adrenalfatigueworkshop.com forward slash apply, and I look forward to giving you value and getting you your health back.